Paul is the individual that we're going to talk about tonight out of uh, Philippians, the third chapter, and starting in verse number seven in our uh, time together. And uh, I pray that you'll take a look at that portion of Scripture. Uh, I, uh, in time of study for this, I I kept asking myself the question, God, what do you expect out of us as a believer? And in the culture in which we live today, are we getting closer to God? Or uh, are we just maybe sitting idle? Is that possible? Are we drifting toward and becoming more excited? Are we taking more ground uh, from the enemy? Are we seeing more souls saved out of our family? Can we name the names of those who new converts that have come to faith because of Jesus Christ. That's easy for us to do from what we understand in our national churches, places like India, I mean, uh, and uh, Spain and other places around the world, just new converts, uh, China, uh, by the droves, uh, a real hunger. Many of those in the Arab world are having visions of Jesus. It's not like they watch television and saw an image of Jesus. They, they are seeing what they, as they describe, an image of Jesus. And many of them, as it relates to that, it's very supernatural. They're coming to faith. I, I pray that in our time of prayer and fasting that that'll be one of the things that we pray personally. God, open the door for me to be able to walk through to become more contagious, you know, for, uh, for the Lord that wherever I go, I spread the gospel with every person that I touch. I, I use the message titled, Reach Higher, and talk about uh, being a champion and being the best, of course, as it relates to growing in God. Now, that's different for every one of us. Every one of us, when I say, boy, you want to be a champion for Jesus, that's, that's different in all of our minds as we look at it and describe it, and what does it mean you know, what does it mean to you? And this is what Jesus said. He said, if you want to be my disciple or you want to be my follower or my champion, here's what he said, you have to deny yourself. And as I studied that, I thought, well, what does that mean? Deny yourself. It might mean one thing to this individual, and it might mean another thing to another, to another individual. But what does it mean to deny yourself? And then I, I thought, well, all right, uh, then uh, how are you doing with that? Uh, once you understand what that means, how are you doing with that? You're in control of making the decisions for yourself. And then he says, you take up your cross. When you've denied yourself, you take up God's planned purpose for you. And you take it and you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I know. The biggest, largest dream that you can have and having a life that is close to God, God said, okay, I'm going to equip you in the Scripture. And this is what it says in Matthew 28, 18. He says, now I've given you all authority. Say all authority. All authority. Now, I don't know about you, but I think I know what that means. I think it means all authority. How about you? He said, and then he says, this is on my heart, I want you to go to the nations I want you to make disciples, make followers. And in Ephesians 6, he said, I want you to break satanic strongholds. Those that are of your imagination, those things that would hold you back, that apathy that entrenches itself, that bitterness that you may have allowed to just, just reside and be a partner. And he said, also in Jude 22, I want you to go into the fire, fire and rescue those that are burning up that that destruction is taking place and he said and then i want you to move in the signs and the wonders of the supernatural and one of the things that we do in our culture is we become gullible if you're not careful people will come out in throngs and by the tens of thousands to see the supernatural well i often look at that and i've seen that a couple times and i think god i wonder how many just come out for jesus amen not a, not a supernatural, not a miraculous, but just say, my life is committed, my place, my cross, my following, my dying is to show up so that Jesus can count on me. And so here's what we find out. God's not looking for a millionaire, so to speak. He's looking for a willing vessel, a committed vessel, 
a faithful vessel and willing to conquer vessel, one that says, okay, God, I die daily, that's what Paul said, and I take up my cross and I follow you, and I, I am a willing vessel. In other words, I set a priority for my life, and that priority is God, get this now, and His church, because you cannot separate the church from God. Somebody say amen. In other words, that's that, that vertical, that vertical commitment is, is seen and viewed horizontally in our lives. Now, here's what we know. It's not a Sunday picnic. Talk to a lady today, her greatest thrill in life, and she's probably watching online right now, is to go have a picnic in a cemetery. Um, just so I'll know uh, how many of you enjoy going to the cemetery to have a picnic. May I see your hand? I'm looking to my right, I'm looking in the balcony, looking to my left. All right, I don't, I don't see any hands for those of you watching online that very few people I know enjoy, but that's what they love to do. And I thought, okay, if that's what you like to do, that's wonderful. Here's what I know. Satan, it's no picnic, is against us. Now, here's the real challenge. I want you to just use your, use your gray matter that's so, right, God, if I'm committed as a willing vessel, then what could Satan do if he is against me? What can he do to keep me from fulfilling that commitment of being a willing vessel, being obedient, taking up my cross? And here's the deal, and being consistent about it. Everybody knows, buddy. If this is where it's at, so-and-so is going to show up. Amen? If that takes place, we know one thing for sure, they're going to be there. I did a little exercise tonight, you know, like sitting in the back of the church over there in the very corner. And for the last 15 minutes before 6.30, I watched you come in. I looked at my watch from some of you that I know well, and I thought, okay, well, now I know what time they usually come in here. Others of you took your time, hugged neck, shook hands, and all this, that, and the other, and took your time and came on down. Some of you planted yourself where you sit because you don't want anyone else to sit there. And I watched that behavior and that habit. And here's, what I, here's the conclusion I came to, that the majority of you in this room, I can count on you every Wednesday night. Think about it. I can count on you every Wednesday night. Although, God, it's no surprise that they're here. I see them every Wednesday. No surprise that they sit where they sit. I, I see them every Wednesday. God, it's no surprise that they came in about this time because, you know, most of the time they're late to everything, but at least they came on in. Others of you, of course, start getting here like Dwight about 4 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. Sit and wait for church to start. So we know that Satan is against us in fulfilling what God has called us to do. Now, how do we get to where we want to be if we take upon ourselves spiritual growth? Now, as pastor, Tim and Craig and them are all involved in small groups and discipleship classes and a plethora of things to offer a venue and a menu to say, hey, guys, we have to grow spiritually. We have to muscle up. We have to have fellowship. We have to have fellowship. We have to grow spiritually. And we have to be accountable to one another. And so as we understand that, Victory Church is doing a, a great job of throwing the menu out there and saying, hey, if you're not growing it's not because that we don't have an opportunity for you to go. But how do we get there? Here's, here it is. It is secured. Paul said it is secured through loss. If I want to gain my goal of moving and growing in God, it's secured in loss. And what he means is, Philippians 3, 7, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, he said, when I became redeemed, my value system changed. When I was converted, 
my priority changed. When I got to the place that I realized who God was, my heartbeat for life itself totally changed. I disappeared is what he said. Paul was the most aggressive Christ follower in his day, and he had that miraculous conversion, and he's excited as he writes in Philippians. He's bold. He's driven with passion. He is really, really hated by the devil. But the big question for those as well, Paul, we've watched your life. I mean, from the time, we know what you were before conversion. I mean, you destroyed churches. You slaughtered Christian people. You took anyone that would stand still long enough. You took their life, and you, you made laughing stock of them, and, and you showed open sacrifices with live bodies on the fire. That was you before one encounter with God, just one. Just one in that encounter with God. What happened? What is your secret? And he says, and he tells us, he said, whatever I had, personal pronoun, whatever I had, whatever my agenda was, he said, whatever my personal and selfish goal, whatever I was doing to make me happy, to make me comfortable, that made my spirituality fit around what I was comfortable with. He said, I gave that up. I totally gave it up. He said, I ditched it, I lost it, I gave it up for the blessing of this, of knowing Christ. And that brought me to this point. May we be reminded how valuable our salvation is. May we be reminded how important our redemption is. May we be reminded that without Him, we are dead, period, and on ice and packed away. Without Him. Matthew 19, 21. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions. Give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then you come on and follow me after that. In other words, you go deal with you. When you get you in the area of discipline, when you get you that you're willing to say, not my will, but thy will be done. Mark 8, 35, for whatever, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Boy, how do, how do, you, how do you do that? God, do I go out and sell my pickup truck? Do I go sell my house, sell my boat, sell my four-wheeler? God, what, what do I do? That's not what God is asking for. But here's what he is asking for, that you would be willing, if he said, sell it. That he would not get an argument out of you. Because that shows the willingness of the heart. And let me say to you, the testimony of Victory Church is a church of giving and a church of generosity. And I will tell you straight up and straight down, that is one of the finest compliments a church can have because if you get the giving and you get the generosity right, you are well on your way to reaching the goals that God has for your life. Somebody say amen. It's true. So Paul says, let me tell you about me. Before I was converted, I still am. But he said, I was a true Israelite, full-blooded Jew from the honored tribe of Benjamin, Pharisee by practice of law, well-educated, talented in religion. But he said, here's what I know. I was on the wrong track. I was on the wrong track. And if you decide to be a Christ follower, you can't hold to God and hold to you. Oh, look what I have done. He says, you have to 
deny yourself. Here's Philippians writings now in chapter 3, verse number 8. Yea, in all things I once thought were so important or gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung, he says. I dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. So we come to realize that our most valued possession our highest trophy is, yeah, I'm a Christ follower. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I'm covered by his blood. And in that behavioral pattern, those of you that are listening online, how is that being demonstrated to your children if you have younger children? How is that being demonstrated to your grandchildren that there is something far more important than the accolade of culture. Number two, embrace through passionate desire. A passionate desire. Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. I have no problem with that, he said, becoming like him in his death. So Paul said, now that I, I have put me in order, now that I put any asset or possession that I have in order, it means nothing to me. I appreciate it. I enjoy it. But you could take it tomorrow, and that'd be fine with me. And God, you know my heart. And then, Lord, I feel like I've disciplined to the place that when I sing, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. That Paul says, I mean it. Speak to me. Just tell me. What is it that I need to do to be passionate? Paul said, I lost it all, counted it worthless. He said, I want to know Christ. And you know what? Knowing Christ is not a one-time event, is it? Knowing Christ is knowing a continual process. I want to know his power. I want to know his power. I want to know his resurrection. I want to know his pain. I want to see what it feels like. I asked a patient in the hospital today. I said, if you're in a pain medication, pain hit them on Monday night, unbelievable pain on pretty heavy medication. Now, I said, if you didn't have the medication, his spouse was in the room. If you didn't have the medication, where do you think your pain level would be? He said, it would be off the chart. It'd be unbelievable. Thank God I'm, I'm able to take, they have not been able to find the source of what's causing the pain. Paul says, hey, I want to know the pain. Well, what do you think that means? You know, does that mean you get a needle stick? Here it is. What brought more anguish to Jesus than anything else? And I can tell you what it is. It's lost people. He hurt. And he died for people who are lost. He heard and died. I walk most every morning, about 5.30 or so in our neighborhood here and there. Boy, I go by houses of individuals that I know who lives there and some that don't go to church. I, many of them, I pray, God, I'm asking you to resurrect that house right there. Those people, they might be sleeping right now, but I'm out here praying. I'm asking you to resurrect them by the power of the Holy Spirit. I walk by one that I know is a part of victory, and I say, God, in Jesus' name, do something phenomenal in their life and give them more favor than they could ever imagine. You say, well, how much walking do you get done? Enough. But I get to do a whole lot of praying. How many know what I'm talking about? Here it is. What pained Jesus was lost souls. And I want to follow in his path toward perfection. And to be that person that reaches high in the goal, you always have a visible path that is there. So here's, here's what I believe. I believe that any one of us in this room who were to say, 
I want to be more like Jesus, and I want to grow, and I want to get closer. And God, what are the things in my own life that I, I really need to deal with that get in the way? I want to deal with those, Jesus. I want, I want you to help me, and then I want to pick up, and I want to get closer to you. And some of you have had phenomenal miracles. Listen to me, friend. If you've had a phenomenal miracle or miracle at all, God never lets you get out of the stage of accountability for giving him thanks and telling everybody you know what happened to you. That miracle that took place in your life wasn't given to you just for you. It was given to you that others might hear, look what the Lord has done. So how do we know? To know Christ, the desire to know his heart of compassion for the lost and to know his purpose. What is his purpose? To reach the world. We know his love. It's exampled in his word. And, and then uh, to know his will. It drove him to the shame of the cross. Not my will, but thy will be done. Drove him to the cross. And that's our desire. So in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love the Lord your God with all of your passion and prayer and intelligence. I want you to be a mind thing. And this is the most important, the first on any list. On any list. He says, but there is a second Set alongside it, love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophet hangs on them. Did you notice what he just said? Get the vertical right. Love the Lord your God, peg number one, nothing more important. Love him. Number two, love him horizontally. Love your neighbor. That's the other peg. He said, if you stay busy loving God and stay busy loving your neighbor, you won't have bitterness. You won't have resentment. You won't have apathy. You won't have time to think about those things of negative impact and behavior because you'll be busy elevating the love of God vertically and working love among those that you know, love, and trust. And Paul said, your desire to obtain the perfection and excellence will cause you to lose yourself and to know him and to love him. Number three. Number three is we achieve through commitment. We achieve through commitment. Paul writes in Philippians, Philippians 3.14, a familiar portion of Scripture. He said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. Do we know what that is? Do we still know what that is? He's called me heavenward. In Christ Jesus. You're about to pray in a few moments. You tonight are going to be the link between words on a card and the throne room of God. For 15 minutes, you're going to lay yourself on the altar and forget about you. And you're going to become an instrument of communication to God for someone. I turned to Carla, who's the headmaster of Victory Christian Academy. I said, I want all the cards from students at Victory Christian Academy. They did it last year. She said, I know. She said, we found out things on those prayer cards that we never knew of what happens in many of the families who have their student at Victory Christian Academy. Like pray for my mom and dad. They fuss and fight and curse. Pray for my dad. He left last night. Pray for my sister doing all those cards that are there. Now may I ask you this? Who prays for those? Where do those cards go? except God brings them before his family and says, I'm counting on you. I'm counting on listening to what you have to say. And I pray for those who are watching online that when we go to prayer in a few moments that you'll take that 10 or 15 minutes to be able to kneel wherever you're at and offer prayer 
So I press toward the mark, the race, the very last race. I watched football game the other night. It was uh, the National College Bowl. And two teams were playing, but I saw one and saw one the weekend, of course, before. And boy, have you noticed that they take and they run as hard as they can and get tackled. But they take, they take the ball, and if it's near the goal line, they stretch that ball out as far as they can because all they have to do, as far as I know, is get the nose of that ball across that line. And when that happens... And there was one play that the guy said, like this. They said, oh, no, let's do replay. And when they did the replay, it was about that far from the line. This is what Paul is expressing to us. Stretch and keep stretching until you get the ball across the goal line. Don't stop that short of it. Don't stop. I received a call from a pastor's wife today who her husband died several, several months ago. She's still there at the little church. She called. She said, I thought I could make it. They were kind of co-pastors. But I just can't make it anymore. Pastor Blackman, can you please help me? I don't know what to do. They're on up in age, reach that stage in their life that should retire but really can't afford to retire. And I put that prayer need right there in front, and I say, God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You can do something here. You can meet that need. God, I still believe we can cross the line of advancement for that. How many of you believe that? Say Amen. Paul shares a good word. He said, here it is, I haven't obtained my goal yet, but he said, I will not be distracted by the enemy. And he says, I will forget my past victories and my past defeats. So I'm not, in other words, I'm not keeping score. He said, I will exert all my energies and I'll press toward the reward of true excellence and I will stay focused. I will, I will stay focused. I will stay focused. Today, I had to get a document, a new document. I had to go down to the courthouse. And so I stood in line, took a number and waited for a little while. She said, okay, here's what you need. And I said, that's good. She said, that'll be $170. I said, okay. I reached in. I was prepared. Pulled out $170 in cash. She said, oh, we, we don't take cash. I thought. She said, we take, uh, we take money orders or checks. I said, how about IOUs? She says, what? <laughs> you got to be sharp. How about an IOU? She said, no, sir, we don't take cash. I said, well, uh, I need to go get a, a money order. She said, well, there's a, down here, go back near Memorial, and there's an M. Scott there. Well, what did I do? I went to Memorial, turned right, headed to, toward Cumbie Road. And I thought, I'm a member of AAA. How many are members of AAA? AAA tells me all the time, they meet my need when I am distressed. So I pulled in there. I was third in line. I waited and I walked up expecting to get a positive answer. I need a money order. She said, oh, I am so sorry. We don't do money orders. I said, I'm a member here. Figured I wasn't a member to the first, I'm a member here. So I said, okay, I got in my car and went down and I couldn't find M. Scott. So I went to a bank. I stood fourth in line for 20 minutes just waiting patiently. And uh, when I got up there, the lady said, what can you do? I said, you do money order? She said, we sure do. I said, good, I need a $170 money order. She said, are you a member here? <laughs> what I almost said, well, how much does it cost to be a member? 
I'll join up right now. So she said, I'm sorry, only for members. I thought, okay, beautiful. Now listen carefully. I already had this message ready. I needed to tweak it, but God was speaking to my heart. I turned around, got in my car, drove Memorial Boulevard up to 98 or Florida, and there was an Amscot. I'd never been in one in my life, ever. I almost thought I was going into a prison, so many windows and bars. I walked in. I said, sir, do you do money orders? We sure do. I said, do you have to be a member? He said, no, sir. I said, do you take cash? He said, yes, sir. I said, are you still open? It's lunchtime. Yes, sir. I said, then here, I need a money order. I got it, and I was gone. I got in my car. I got in my car, and the Holy Spirit seemed to speak. To, well, he did. He said, that's life. Because when you make a commitment to serve God and to draw close to him, the devil will agitate and aggravate and create all kind of little circumstances that can just you off, tick you off, that's it. Amen? But here's what I know. Remember the value of what Paul, because what would he have done with his first whipping? What would he have done when he was imprisoned the first time and he did nothing? What would he do when he was imprisoned the second time? What would he do when he was slashed and beaten and ridiculed? He stayed focused. He stayed honest before God because here's what he said. Now, I'm ready to be offered and poured out like a drink offering. And the time has come for my departure, and I fought a good fight, and finished the race, and I have, I have kept the faith. Now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. One day and one day soon, it'll all be over. But until then, I will go on singing. Until then, you know the song. My point is, let's have this opportunity of prayer and in these two weeks of prayer and fasting, say, God, draw me close. And take a look and say, God, just how close can I get and how much can I renew? Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you here just tonight. We thank you for what you have done and what you mean to us. We need your help. But God, tonight we're going to be ambassadors. We're going to be ambassadors of your grace. We're going to be ambassadors of your love. We're going to be disciples. We're going to be missionaries. We're going to be prayer warriors. We're going to do what we have to do and need to do to see miracles come to pass. And I pray for those that might be listening online and those that are in this room and those who may, may listen later. I pray you'll speak to our hearts together and that, Father, not only will we hear the word, but we'll be doers of the word. And that in the name of Jesus, we can say that as we plant seeds, that which you choose to do will happen and we will know about it and miracles will take place. And we believe it. And we will not settle for anything less than that. In Jesus' name, so just in case, would everyone repeat this prayer after me? Heavenly Father, 
I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for your love. Jesus, I thank you for your love. That you have given to me. That you've given to me. I need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I confess my sins. I confess my sins. And I believe by faith. And I believe by faith. I have been set free. I have been set free from the bondage of my sin. And tonight, I will live a new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what we'd like to do. Those of you, you know the routine. We'd like for you to come and get some of the cards, two or three, and we're going to worship and go back to your seat and there or kneel here in the altar or walk and pray, whatever makes you happy. And then when you've prayed those three or four cards or however many you get, bring them back and pick up two or three more and let's just believe God how many by raised hand believe that God will answer prayer amen amen God bless you as you just let's exercise our gift of faith now
Heavenly Father, we thank you now. Many of these cards we have brought back to the altar, but they're not going to depart from our hearts and our minds. Now, we believe, as we hear Sunday morning, Hezekiah spread out his letter in the temple before the Lord. We have spread these cards out. We know that you've heard our prayers. And every one of these cards belongs to someone and relates to someone or some circumstance. But God, they all belong to you. You've allowed us to pass by this journey to be able to touch them, to read them, and to whisper a prayer. And God, in the name of Jesus, when we pray, all of heaven listens, and we have touched the throne room of God in grace. So now, I'm asking you, we are asking you, do miracles. Do miracles in the house. Do miracles and meet every need. Drive back every disease, every sickness, every challenge, every financial difficulty, every broken marriage, every rebellious child in the name of Jesus. Give favor and give blessing. And we'll give you praise and honor and glory. And everybody said, amen. Put your hands together and let's thank God, will you? Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. Shake hands with somebody you don't like and say, God bless you.